All right. Hey, good morning again, uh, brothers and sisters. Good to see you. Good to be together. Um, and try to be honest this morning. Uh, have you ever uh, had a day, uh, an event, something that you, uh, you were scheduled to do? Let's not say you had to do, you were scheduled to do. You were on tap to do, going to work, a uh, project, a presentation, something like that. And you just, you were torn up inside about something else. And there's this other thing that's completely unrelated going on in your life. And it involves emotions or anxiety or stress or uh, distraction. And then what do you do? You just do it, right? You just do what you have to do. And I'm kind of in one of those places this morning. I just wanted to say that, uh, kind of weird. Uh, but uh, how do we get honest and how do we be honest with one another when we're struggling, when we're having challenges, except to kind of be open, not to overshare, but just to kind of go, hey, uh, not every day is the same. Uh, you have challenges. I have challenges. We don't all know each other's lives, and, um, but we want to extend one another mercy and know that there are things that we always don't know about other people around us. Uh, I found that an interesting exercise this week. Uh, to that end, uh, let's pray. God, help us to be attentive to the people around us, to what's going on in our world, to our neighborhoods, to our friends, to our family, to strangers. Help us now to be attentive to you, to your word, to your spirit, to your way and your will. Help us be uh, deeply attentive to the things that you would have us hear and know and become. Help me to not get in the way of the things that you would say and speak to me and to each of us. Uh, I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words stray or deviate or are not consistent in any way with your word, may they be just passed over and forever forgotten. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing this morning, hey, surprise, with our uh, long study journey through Jesus' so-called Sermon on the Mount, found in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, most of you know that. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount contains some very familiar words of Jesus. It uh, contains some very, very difficult, maybe the most difficult things that Jesus taught it also contains some phenomenally beautiful things and rich things. And depending on the Sunday, and it's sort of gone uh, over all of those things at different times and in different ways, and maybe for uh, different ones of us. And now, uh, after maybe six months in the Sermon on the Mount, we get this morning to kind of the closing section of Jesus' great discourse on the hill. And this morning and over the next three Sundays, as we finish up Lent, as we go through Lent, uh, uh, as we go through Jesus' closing remarks, we will hear from Jesus uh, the importance, or maybe uh, even more than the importance, but the primacy or the essentialness, the necessity of choice, of choice, of the choices that we have, of choices before us, of choices that we make. We've already heard Jesus talk in the Sermon on the Mount and paint contrasts between Two different kinds of righteousness. That's the sort of the old-fashioned biblical word, or we could simply say goodness. Two very different kinds of treasures. You may remember that. Two very different masters and two very different ambitions. And now as Jesus begins to wrap up his teaching, his emphasis on choosing between two different things, choices or options, becomes even more pronounced, more poignant, more kind of in his hearers' faces, more unavoidable, less avoidable. 
So listen closely, picking up where we left off last Sunday in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, now verses 13 and 14, just two verses. Listen closely, this is the Word of God through the Son of God, Jesus. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Last week, we covered one verse. This week, we're doubling that and covering two. And it is decision time, folks. Jesus was not like some of the big-haired evangelists that you've seen on TV, and yet this moment is like a big tent revival, and Jesus, the evangelist, is up front. He's communicated his message. He's taught what he had on tap to teach that night. He's spoken the word of God, and now it is decision time. The preacher has wrapped it up. Now it's time for a response. Now it's time for those who have heard the message, in this case, Jesus' message and all of his teaching, to decide, to act, and to choose. And one must choose. Even if one doesn't volitionally choose, one is then making a choice with and about Jesus. And Jesus offers in this closing section, his closing remarks, four little vignettes that we're going to see over the next, this morning in three weeks, here at the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount. And he sort of places this fork in the road for everyone who hears him, for everyone who comes in contact with him. An unavoidable fork in the road. The first of Jesus' four vignettes, or the first image Jesus paints, is of two gates on the other side of each of which is a road. So two gates, each of which has a road behind it, and each of which, each of which leads to a different destination. Or it may be more accurate or helpful to say a different reality. And Jesus begins by describing a wide gate. It's big, it's huge. Envision a bigger gate than you've ever seen before. Lots of people can go through it easily, and all at the same time, it's that wide. One barely needs to aim. You could put a blindfold on and sort of walk generally in that direction, and you'll get through it. You're going to find it. It barely has sides. It barely has hinges, posts, parameters. It is so incredibly wide really wide. And then there's another gate, and Jesus calls it small. It's a small gate. In fact, it's so small that it's actually not even easy to find, as if one has to look carefully for it, pay attention, and then carefully move toward it and through it. People don't accidentally get through this gate. People don't drift aimlessly through this gate. People are not sucked through this gate by a horde of people moving in that direction. You just sort of go with the flow. It doesn't happen. In fact, Jesus says, few people find it. Few people find this gate. Few people bump into it, run into it. Behind the first gate, the wide gate, Jesus says, is a road that is broad now. Some really good and mainstream English translations, the ESV, the NRSV, validly translate that Greek word into English as easy. It is broad, it is wide, and it is easy. And thus the wide gate 
is, is open, just sort of almost limitless. There's plenty of room on this road for diversity of opinions and laxity of morals. It is the road of almost unlimited tolerance and permissiveness. It has no curbs. It has no boundaries of either thought or conduct. Travelers on this road follow their own inclinations. That is the desires of the human heart and all of its fallenness. It's kind of wandering. There's room to wander and meander. It is so wide. Superficiality, self-love, hypocrisy, mechanical religion, false ambition, judgmentalism, arrogance. These things do not have to be learned or cultivated. No effort is required to practice them. This is the way of the wide, wide road that Jesus describes as broad and easy. And thus the wide gate is the gate of whatever pleases you, whatever pleases me, whatever I want it to be, whatever I want to do. And then behind the small gate or the narrow gate is a narrow road. It's, it's actually too much to call it a road. It's a path. It's a one-person path. It's super narrow, just barely wide enough for one person. The boundaries of which are clearly marked. Its narrowness is defined by divine revelation, by the scriptures, by the teaching of Jesus, by the word of God. A person can get through the wide gate with as much of their own things and as much of their luggage or baggage and their own agenda and freedom as much as they have, as much as they want, as much as they would like. You can sort of carry, there's room for it all. In contrast, only those who have denied themselves, who have let go of their own things and who have trusted Jesus, only such people can make it through the narrow gate. But will they even find it? Over in John's gospel, Jesus actually says, I am the gate. I am the gate. How will they find it? How can they find it? Look for Jesus. Keep one's eyes on Jesus. You will find it. I am the gate. And then there's this, the wide gate and the wide road, Jesus says, lead to, do you remember? Destruction. Not hell, not death, not condemnation, but destruction. Synonyms for which are obliteration, devastation, ruin, none of them very good. In contrast, the narrow gate and the narrow road, Jesus says, lead to life. Not necessarily heaven, not explicitly heaven or salvation or eternal life, but still life. And something that seems like that for which we're all made, where people thrive, where there's goodness, where there's even abundance. The wide gate and the almost boundaryless road lead to destruction. The narrow gate and the narrow way lead to life. Says Jesus, choose life. Enter through the narrow gate. Jesus. And admittedly, this is going to rub some people the wrong way. It probably already has. Maybe it is. I see you squirming, some of you. And me. We've been conditioned to want and to expect many choices and much freedom. Welcome to America. 
We don't want our options narrowed. We certainly do not want to be told what to do, which way to go, how to live, how to act, how to whatever. And yet Jesus does just that, which can make Jesus hard to hear with all of our modern sensibilities. He's anachronistic. But let's think about it for just a second. Give Jesus a fair shake and a fair hearing. To grow as an athlete, the athlete must train. She must follow a certain regimen, work out regularly, eat well, get enough sleep, push herself, make hard decisions, practice discipline, and say no and avoiding some things in order to have something else bigger and better down the line and even now. Every day, day after day, day after day, many of the decisions that she must make are hard, not easy. The workouts are hard, not easy. Wide is the way that leads to last place and the bottom of the standings, right? Narrow is the way, rigorous discipline is the way that leads to achieving one's fullest potential, excellence and victory and triumph, if we want to continue with that analogy. Week before last, I was flying. I was in an airplane. When, usually when I fly, I'm in an airplane. The weather was terrible. Maybe you remember uh, weather about 10, 12 days ago on the takeoff out of, there was just a ton of wind. Tornadic, remember? They're just like, not fun. On the way back, there was that massive storm. On both flights, we were just bouncing around, bouncing around. Flight attendants, please strap into your jump seats. I hate hearing that. And we're just all over the place, both flights, boom, 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 boom. It's going down. I know it's going down. And then it comes time to land. I remember landing back in San Francisco in that storm. I was really glad that for the pilots, pilot, co-pilot, there's one way to land, one place to land, one narrow strip of concrete up 101 on which to land. It wasn't just any strip of concrete. It wasn't any way to land this plane. We can put this baby down. I got lots of ways. It doesn't really matter. No, thankfully, the pilot adhered to one way. And I'm glad they were committed, really committed to one way, to a narrow way, to the way, as apparently was also Jesus. A person can believe that how one lives doesn't really matter all that much and that all the roads lead to the same place or even, even that all Christian roads, all church roads end up the same. But Jesus says to that idea, no, not so. There is a gate and there is a way that leads to destruction. And there's a gate and there's a way that leads to life. Enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. In the words of New Testament scholar, professor, commentator Dale Bruner, the way of the majority in morals will not often be the way of disciples of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be in the moral minority. We got used to hearing in the 80s about the moral majority. The way of Jesus is often or usually are always going to put one in the minority. Narrow is the, great, the gate and few find it. Popular opinion reflects, rarely reflects the way of Jesus. 
And you can sort of measure that, weigh that, look around, read the Sermon on the Mountain, and look around at your world, your circle, your church, your life, your heart, your community, our nation, how we talk to one another, how we love and don't love one another, what we do, how we treat, our values, our priorities. Popular opinion rarely reflects the way of Jesus. It doesn't matter which way you vote or if you don't vote at all. Popular opinion rarely reflects the way of Jesus, particularly with regard to Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if any of you have sort of recycled those over the, over the last few months or taken a day or a week or a season to kind of go through those things over and over again, all the things that we heard from Jesus that were hard, that were difficult, that were complex, that were beautiful, that were lovely, that were life. In the Hebrew and Christian scriptures, it's always the majority who follow evil. I don't know if you ever thought about that. In the scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, the Christian scriptures, it's always the majority who are going the way of evil. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, Jesus says, and only few, only a few, or relatively few, find it, choose life. Jesus commends to his disciples and all who would ever seek to follow him, to trust him, to embrace him, to fall before him, to sing songs of worship to him and about him, who will call him Savior, who will have him as Lord, to choose the narrow gate and to continue to choose the way of the narrow road. And it is a continual choice. The Greek word verb is a present participle, ongoing, indicating continual choosing, First choose, in other words, decide to follow Jesus and his way. Sort of the Sermon on the Mount is the context of that. That's a one-time decision. That's an evangelical decision. Not a decision toward evangelicalism, but an evangelical decision. That is the gate. Enter through the narrow gate. But then there's also this narrow way. I think a lot of people find their way to the narrow gate or try to, but then once on the other side or through the narrow gate really aren't interested in the narrow way. But they go together in Jesus' telling. But then there's the narrow way which involves continually challenging choices, difficult daily decisions to travel on the narrow way. Jesus began his sermon and maybe this is helpful for you because it was helpful for me. Jesus began his Sermon on the Mount with unqualified tenderness. Embracing in his blessings or those beatitudes we call them, those who felt least embraceable. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are really poor spiritually in spiritual poverty. Blessed are those who mourn, who cry, who weep, who grieve, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, maybe because they've never had justice, and so they hunger for that justice. They hunger for it. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers who are just in the middle always. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when people insult you. 
persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against me. And Jesus just goes out announcing, declaring, blessed, blessed. You may not feel blessed. The world may not treat you as blessed, loved, adored by God, in God's hands, in his arms. Jesus began his sermon with unqualified tenderness, embracing in his blessings those who felt least embraceable. And he now concludes his sermon with unqualified toughness. He begins with unqualified tenderness, and he ends now with unqualified toughness. Warning that his sermon is not an intellectual option. It is not a set of suggestions that we may take or leave. It is not one philosophy of life among others. No, the final warnings of Jesus, his talks about these two gates and the other things to come, makes explicit that Jesus believes that both he and his teaching are exclusive to the way of life. Jesus' hard way in Matthew's gospel makes the same claim ethically that Jesus' one-way statement in John's gospel makes theologically. And it's equally narrow assertion of, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Nobody's smiling right now from where I'm standing. I'm just saying. This is what Bonhoeffer says. He says, the path of discipleship is narrow, and it is fatally easy to miss one's way and stray from the path, even after years of discipleship. That's a lot of us. And it's hard to find, on either side of the narrow path, deep chasms yawn, to be called to a life of extraordinary quality, to live up to it, and yet to be unconscious of it is indeed a narrow way. Get that, to live up to it, and yet to be unconscious of it is indeed a narrow way. And this sort of humility that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. To confess and testify to the truth as it is in Jesus, and at the same time to love the enemies of that truth, his enemies and ours, and to love them with the infinite love of Jesus Christ is indeed a narrow way. Right? to confess and testify to the truth as it is in Jesus, and at the same time to love the enemies of that truth, his enemies and ours, and to love them with the infinite love of Christ is indeed a narrow way. To believe the promise of Jesus that his followers shall possess the earth, and at the same time to face our enemies unarmed and defenseless, preferring to incur injustice rather than to do wrong ourselves, chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount, is indeed a narrow way. To see the weakness and wrong in others and at the same time refrain from judging them is indeed a narrow way. The way is utterly, unutterably hard and at the very moment we are in danger of straying from it. If we regard this way as one we follow in obedience to an external command, if we are afraid of ourselves all the time, it is indeed an impossible way. But if we behold Jesus Christ going on before us step by step, we shall not go astray. For he himself is the way, 
the narrow way, the narrow gate. He and he alone is our journeys and our journeys end. When we know that, we are able to proceed along the narrow way through the straight gate of the cross and on to eternal life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. There are people who have wanted to understand the Sermon on the Mount, and now Jesus sort of getting to this place in the Sermon on the Mount about decision time, about right and wrong, or good and bad, or wide and narrow, as a matter of theological perspectives and doctrine. But Jesus is unequivocally clear about this. This is not about doctrine. It is about obedience. It is about obedience to his teaching, about taking them seriously and choosing his narrow way, which leads to life and therefore is a source of grace, means of grace, way of grace, though it sounds to our modern ears like ungrace. The practice of routine obedience from the heart is the final topic of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. No doubt he understood ahead of time that every imaginable way would be tried to avoid simply doing the things he said and knew to be best. And that is what we do, seek to avoid doing what Jesus said, doing his way, doing his things. A missiologist, uh, Daryl Guter, also a theologian, has written, Through the ages, Christians have usually found ways around the clear meaning of the Sermon on the Mount. We can thus read the history of Christian theology as the story of our various ways of reducing the gospel, especially in its particularity and specificity, in the Sermon on the Mount, to make it more compatible to our world and more palatable, palatable to ourselves. Christian history or the history of Christian theology, is the story of trying to find our ways around the Sermon on the Mount instead of through it. It is that challenging, that difficult. Again, Dallas Willard, the narrow gate is not as so often assumed doctrinal correctness. The narrow gate is obedience and the confidence in Jesus necessary to it. We can see that it's not doctrinal correctness because many people who cannot even understand the correct doctrines nevertheless pay, place their full faith in Jesus. Moreover, we find people, on the other hand, who seem to be very correct doctrinally but have hearts full of hatred and unforgiveness. The broad gate, by contrast, is simply doing whatever we want. Jesus calls us to a narrow way. And that, friends, is not a bad thing, not an offensive thing, but in fact a good thing. It is the way into the kingdom, which Jesus said at the very beginning, in the latter part of chapter 4, right before the beginning of this gospel. The kingdom of the heavens has come near. It is available. It is accessible. And you remember we talked for weeks about what that entails on our part, is to rethink everything. We are not saved or loved by God because of what we do, and yet the way into the kingdom and the way of the kingdom involves taking Jesus seriously. And so at the end of his sermon, that's what he wants us to do. Not to earn salvation. Grace is, is opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. 
It is not opposed to effort. Effort and grace are not incompatible with each other. Jesus says in no uncertain terms, crystal clear, choose life by choosing this narrow way. It is so easy to not forgive other people, is it not? As one point of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It is so easy to look lustfully at other people, is it not? It is so easy. We just drift into making an idol out of money and possessions and wealth. Do we not? Individually and as a culture. But the way to life in the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is this narrow way. And he empowers each and every one of us, all of us for that. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And that is the way Jesus would have us go. Because he loves us. Let's pray. God, we're going to consider it no coincidence that we've gotten to this last part of Jesus' teaching on the hillside during the season of Lent when historically we've been called to greater introspection and examination of our own lives, of our own decisions, our own choices, our own outlook. the ways that we have gone and the ways that we go. Today and this week and this season during Lent, impress upon us, each one of us, not just that you invite us through the gate, but also to live a life as long as we are in these bodies that is consistent with and in your kingdom, your reign, your reality, and that somehow that way is life. Forgive us for leaning, bending, wanting, choosing, preferring all of our own ways and things for relying on our own wisdom for drifting into the things that Jesus has just spent so much time teaching us about in his sermon. Thank you for his wisdom. Thank you for his truth. Thank you for your love in him. Forgive our sins, for they are many. Mine keep going. Help us to forgive one another. If, as we prepare to come to your table in just a moment, we have things that we need to let go of and entrust to you or deal with with other people, help us to confess and to resolve and to forgive and to be reconciled one to another as you unite us and make us one, brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, in Christ. Unite us for the sake of your joy and ours as well. Unite us for your glory. 
may you, the reuniting king, be forever praised. Amen. Amen.